championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. It's Thursday night, 9 o'clock Pacific time. That means it's time for the LakersNation.com live offseason show. We're going to talk a little bit of Lakers basketball. Yeah, it is the offseason. I know they're not actively playing right now, but there's still a lot to break down going on in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers. Of course, we're going to talk trades and transactions. We're going to talk about potential free agent signings, who the Lakers should keep from their team right now. Guys who are heading into free agency, like, I don't know, Dennis Schroeder, Montrez Harrell, Alex Caruso, Taylor Horton Tucker. Plenty of guys to talk about from there as well. We'll be taking your questions and comments coming in from YouTube, Facebook, and Periscope. So make sure you guys are throwing those out there. And, of course, there's a little bit of chaos happening right now in the NBA. We've got the Nets and the Bucks going to Game 7. Hopefully we'll see the same thing between the Jazz and the Clippers. But a ton to talk about tonight. Joining me from LakersNation.com are Ron Gutterman and Skylar Treffel. Ron, let's start with you. How are you doing, man? Um, I'm doing all right. Yeah, it has been a chaotic week for the NBA. Uh, I'm almost glad the Lakers aren't still playing. I feel like I, it, the closer they are to being an NBA, like being an active NBA team, the closer they are to all of this chaos, I feel like they're kind of skating underneath it, and that's great. Skyler, how about you, man? How are, how are you holding up in the offseason? Oh, man. Well, first of all, it's amazing to be on my very first Lakers Nation live broadcast. This is very exciting. Overall, though, I'm still surprised the Lakers are not in the playoffs just after the magic of last season. It is still very strange when you consider the remaining teams in the Western Conference are the Phoenix Suns, the Los Angeles Clippers, and the Utah Jazz. Like, what year is this? What is going on? That's really weird stuff. Uh, overall, though, seeing all the drama going on in the NBA, we got Chris Paul entering COVID protocols. I mean, what else could possibly happen to Chris Paul in the playoffs? And then we got the Dallas Mavericks, of course, uh, absolutely imploding. Kawhi Leonard injury and just so much to talk about. So it's a great day to be on here. It is definitely weird seeing the playoffs without the Lakers. But you know what? When I'm looking at this, Everybody who said last season in the bubble was the asterisk. I think we're starting to see a flip in that mentality. With all of the injuries piling up, we're starting to see people coming around. And LeBron, his tweet about injuries is part of this, starting to say, if anything, this season is the asterisk. This is the season where the bubble and the quick turnaround, now it is really adding up and it's really changing the outcome of the playoffs. The Lakers were one of the best teams in the NBA last season, the number one team in the Western Conference. Them winning it all was no fluke, right? You can't look at that and say, oh, a seven seed went, went and won, right? Or something like that. That didn't happen last season. But this season, you look at the teams that are still standing, you look at the teams that are at the top, and you look at the injuries that have been suffered, and you got to think, well... Would this look different in a regular season? Would the outcome be different? I think that it's safe to say that would be a yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there there's a ton of injuries that have affected things. The Kawhi Leonard one is particularly weird because he was ruled out of Game 5 uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. And then there were rumors that it was an ACL injury. But here we are a day and a half later, and there's still – zero clarity on what his injury actually is just that he's out for the rest of the series uh, I have no idea that normally if it's an ACL tear you know within four or five hours of it happening but this it's it's just very strange how they're approaching this I thought the same thing Ron like how do we not know 
how do we like the the NBA is not it's not like the it's the NHL or even soccer where you will hear it's a it's a lower extremity injury like they they will keep it very vague on purpose right because they're worried about that body part being targeted or whatever the NBA you know almost right away oh it's an Achilles tear it's ACL it's the, it's this it's that it's whatever how do we still not know what's going on with Kawhi Leonard all we know is he's out for sure tomorrow night and then from there. I don't know. Like, they've done an incredible job. That's almost the most amazing thing, is that the Clippers have been able to keep this quiet. They know what it is, but somehow nobody else does. Two words. Uncle Dennis. I mean, we saw what happened with the San Antonio Spurs. Kawhi Leonard is the master in the NBA of hiding injuries. So that's the only reason I'm a little bit not surprised is because the whole season with the Spurs, no one knew what was going on uh, with Kawhi. And to comment on what you said earlier, Trevor... I really do agree that this is the asterisk season. I would argue last season, opposite of the asterisk season. Possibly the most difficult NBA championship in history with the death of Kobe Bryant, with what happened with George Floyd and all the activism and Jacob Blake uh, that took place. And then, of course, the global pandemic and having to play in the bubble. So I think that that is just absolutely incredible that the Los Angeles Lakers won last year. And I think this year we're seeing all the injuries and the very strange selection of teams still in it. And I think this year is really the asterisk year with the 71-day offseason. I will say that in general, I'm not a believer in in labeling a season as an asterisk season. Aside from the the Houston Astros, right? Asterisks, right? Who were were proven to have have cheated, right? That's different. For me, look, injuries happen. It's part of sports. You play the team that's in front of you. But what I'm saying is, in terms of the season being disrupted, in terms of it being an outlier season, in terms of it being a little abnormal, I think this season is more of the outlier, and maybe that's the terminology I should have used, than last season was. And I think we're starting to see fans come around to that. So I think that's that's the main point that I was trying to get to. But I do want to spend I do want to spend a minute talking about the Dallas Mavericks. Because what is happening at one point. We were all just trumpeting the Dallas Mavericks cause and talking about how how incredible Luka was, right? They're up 2-0 on the Clippers. They won two games in L.A. How good is this team? And they're shooting. And now, not only are they out of the playoffs, their coach has been canned or has left, however you want to look at it. A, a what, What's the terminology that's being used, Ron? It's a, well, uh, it's a mutual parting of ways generally. But I, the Carlisle situation is a little different. I, I it the the reports made it seem like he stepped down he just left right and and it's it's possible that he left because he saw the writing on the wall that he was going to get fired sometime in the near future and said you know what there's about seven head coach openings i'm gonna go get one of those and not let you guys determine my fate and that could have been what happened and that's that's it, right? So so Carlisle steps down, right? What a mutual parting of ways. But there's been a lot of mutual parting of ways around the NBA right now. Donnie Nelson, from what we know, he got fired, right? Like that was a, that was a Mark Cuban made the decision to move on there. But still, it's a mutual mutual parting of ways, right? Um, and then you've got Luca in the middle of it. He's going to sign a contract extension. But clearly, this is putting some pressure on the Mavs here. Like, the, things suddenly don't look so good if now they're already worried about what's going to happen with Luka. And then you have almost the same thing. Well, not quite the same thing, but similar trepidation in New Orleans with Zion. Right now, you've got that piece from The Athletic saying that his family doesn't like him being there. 
They're not happy with, with things. So are we hitting a point? Like these guys are, what, three years away from free agency if they forego these giant contracts that they're probably going to get? Yeah. Are we – look, the, these teams and the small market fans right now are rolling their eyes so hard because they feel like it's just a matter of time before Luca and Zion wind, wind up in New York or L.A. or Miami. Is, is that where we're headed with this? Look, it, here's the thing about this whole situation is I, I understand the frustration come, coming from Pelicans fans or Mavericks fans, but none of this would happen if you just put together even a halfway competent organization. Milwaukee, they had Giannis. For years, it was, let's get Giannis to one of those big markets, Miami, L.A., New York. But you know what? The Bucks said, no, we can build something here. And next thing you know, Giannis is on a Supermax extension for five years. So if you just put together even a competent organization, this doesn't happen. If Zion trusts his front office, his front office has let him down in every possible way. If, if, they just tr- if he was able to have trust in his organization, if Luka was able to have trust in his organization, we wouldn't be hearing these rumors. But they're so dysfunctional. That's the problem. Skyler, where do you stand on that? Yeah, I think it's a really, really interesting situation, particularly what's going on in Dallas. I don't know, though. This For Dallas specifically, before we get into some Zion here, I think that this actually opens the door for a potential culture change in Dallas. Before, if they were going to keep Carlisle, I thought Porzingis needed to go. But Porzingis was averaging 30-something in the bubble. So if they can get the right coach, I mean, look, Lakers fans— well, we don't want to lose Jason Kidd. It seems like a foregone conclusion mm-hmm. here. And so I could see Jason Kidd coaching Luka Doncic being pretty interesting after his the experience that he's gained with the Lakers and particularly what Rob Belinka has said about how good Jason Kidd is. Uh, so Luka out of the Mavericks, I'm not sure Mark Cuban's going to let that one happen so quickly. As for Zion Williamson, uh, first of all, the guy is probably the biggest up-and-coming player in the NBA Uh, I know that this is a crazy comment, but he could end up being the player of the decade. He is literally Shaquille O'Neal as a point guard. He's unlike anything we've ever really seen before. So Pelicans are going to try to hold on to him, but I could see Zion eventually going somewhere else. Uh, Again, Jason Kidd might be a fit there. Maybe they can run it back. We've seen families disgruntled before. We've seen rumors like this. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not going to give it to the big markets yet, but it's always a possibility after what we've seen with Giannis. So I agree it's it's anything's a possibility. These guys, when they get their max deals, they're signing them. They haven't gotten their big money yet. They're still in their rookie deals. They're signing those deals. And then the idea is, well, if you, if you are still not happy, you force a trade somewhere, right? That's That's been the playbook. So that's what I expect to see happen. Luka's going to sign with the Mavericks this summer. Um, and then Zion, when he is eligible, obviously he's not there yet. I, I think he's going to sign with the Pelicans because they can offer him so much more. But then they can start putting pressure yeah. on the organization to make moves from there. Um, before we dive into Lakers here, one last thing. Rick Carlisle, is he now the top of the list? around the NBA in terms of available coaches? I would have to imagine so. I think, look, before before Rick Carlisle became available, it was a lot of Jason Kidd talk. And while I do like Jason Kidd, I don't think he's anywhere near the coach that Rick Carlisle is. Um, so I think Rick Carlisle's got to be number one. I see Portland as a really good fit for him. 
I see if Milwaukee loses this series against Brooklyn and decides to go a different way uh, without coach uh, Mike Budenholzer, perhaps Rick Carlisle can go there. That would be a really good fit. So there, there, there's going to be options for him. Absolutely. I think that uh, this game, this season, this offseason with coaching will be one of the biggest games of musical chairs in NBA history. It's going to be ridiculous, right? Because we could lose Budenholzer if the Bucs don't make it in. And then what if Budenholzer goes to the Pelicans from there? What if Jason Kidd does coach the Mavericks? And Ron, to agree with what you're saying, Rick Carlisle coached Jason Kidd to a championship. So that is how good Rick Carlisle is. And, and I do agree. I think that Portland might absolutely be the best fit for Rick Carlisle. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. But this is part of why I think Zion and Luca. It's too soon to say because there's so much going on on the Pelicans, former Lakers, Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball uh, picking up their games. So lots of coaching changes, but I think Luca and Zion are staying put for the moment. And these coaching changes will be the biggest determinant factors on if they do end up staying put in the long run. I actually think I've got a little theory here that the coaching changes could be in some ways a product of what we're going to see in free agency. And, and by that, I mean, not a lot. There's not a lot out there in free agency this year. So teams, if you're looking to make a change, there's really only a couple other ways that you can make a change. You can make a change with your coach, and you can make a change via a trade. You're not going to find a whole lot out there in free agency. So because of that, our team's going to then switch coaches as a way to, to change something up because they know there's not that big fish out there in free agency. Aside from Kawhi, which would be hilarious if he did leave the Clippers. All right. Let's get into, since we're, I'm talking a little bit of uh, transaction stuff there, let's get into some of these questions and comments coming in from Lakers fans from YouTube, Facebook, and Periscope. Fire your questions and comments off. I'm already seeing a lot of people mentioning different players they would like the Lakers to target. And a name that's actually popped up, I feel like I've gone back in time two years, because the name that has popped up a number of times here is Carmelo Anthony. No. This is happening. This is happening. This When this show first started... It was like a running joke that Carmelo Anthony's name had to pop up like 50 plus times in our chat during the course of the show because everybody was saying, oh, the Lakers need to sign Melo. Lakers need to sign Melo. Now we're coming back to this. I I don't see the fit for Carmelo Anthony based on what the Lakers need. Not saying he's bad. I've, and I'm just echoing myself really here from two years ago, but I just don't see the fit for Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, I definitely don't see the fit for Carmelo Anthony. I mean, that that's like, I didn't like it two years ago. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at any time. Uh, I don't think he's a good fit. I I know that fans want to make it happen because of the connection between he and LeBron James. But mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you, if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. I'm I'm giving up on Carmelo Anthony, and I, I'm kind of happy to be in that position that we that I, I don't have to deal with it. That's really interesting. I completely see where you guys are coming from on this. Uh, but, you know, I was definitely vouching for Carmelo Anthony to come back into the mm-hmm. NBA and that he still had juice in the tank. And I think he has proven it on Portland. He hasn't been perfect. And so if anything were to happen, yeah, come on. We all remember LeBron saying he wanted the banana boat buddies to play together. <laughs> Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony. And so obviously D Wade is retired, but I don't know. I mean, the Lakers do need a bit of wing scoring. And so from that perspective, 
Carmelo Anthony could actually be a really interesting fit and be willing to take a serious pay cut. So Lakers fans, I, I could see it. I'd be okay with Melo on the Lakers personally. And of course, the main thing is, yes, the nostalgia. Uh, there were even rumors that Carmelo, LeBron, and Kobe were going to team up in 2014 mm-hmm. during free agency. So Carmelo to the Lakers, I don't know. It's always felt like something to happen. And if we can make it happen without sacrificing too much and Melo actually willing to take a lesser role, could be very interesting. You know, with Carmelo Anthony, I I get the knee-jerk reaction here because the Lakers couldn't put the ball in the basket. And the most recent thing we saw is the Lakers can't put the ball in the basket. We think Carmelo Anthony, he gets that done, right? It's the other parts of his game that you have to be concerned about. Uh, look, if the well is completely dry, like there, there's nothing left to turn to in free agency, and Carmelo was saying, I'll, I'll come off the bench for 15 minutes a night and score a little bit. Okay, you can talk me into it. I just don't think that is the guy that you go that you go after, right? Especially for Frank, like Frank Vogel wouldn't put Ben McLemore on the floor that much, even when the Lakers needed three point shooting because his defense was so bad. What's going to happen with Carmelo Anthony, where he's got that that name, right? Where you feel like he should be out there, but he really can't defend either. Uh, I mean, Frank Vogel, he would be pulling his hair out trying to uh, trying to get Carmelo Anthony to play defense. Yeah, yeah. That that's the main reason I don't see a fit is yeah. defensively. I, look, I I know that uh, there have been conversations recently about whether or not the defensive aspect of things is a bit overrated. You know, does it matter if you have the number one defense if you can't score? Um, I don't think Carmelo Anthony is the fix for that, though. I just I really don't. No, I mean Melo's not a defensive fix by any means. I do think his defense has been a little bit better in Portland. A couple nice steals he's been able to get even. A little bit of rim protection from Melo in Portland recently. But still, uh, when I'm saying Melo to the Lakers, I'm talking maybe the the number three, number five. You know, we've got all the guys we want to get. I'm not saying Carmelo Anthony in 2021 should be our top free agent priority. But I still think that if there's a way to make it happen, if you've used up every all the cap space and you got just a little bit left for that minimum veteran contract, him and LeBron could be fun, could be interesting. I've got some people out here that are mentioning <laughs> that are that are mentioning, of course, Kyle Lowry. But I, I'm seeing someone who threw out the combination of Kyle Lowry and Lou Williams, bringing in both of those guys. I mean, when we're talking veteran, those guys are veterans. <laughs> we're talking about up there in years. Kyle Lowry is 35, heading towards 36. Like, like this is, these are not young guys, but in terms of what the Lakers need, Kyle Lowry can get it done on defense. Lou Williams puts the ball in the basket. He gets burned defensively. But, uh, I mean, look, if Kyle Lowry made it to the Lakers in a sign-and-trade situation, I'd be pretty excited about that, depending on what they gave up. Lou Williams, I think you'd have to, have to talk me into a little bit at this point. A couple of years ago, Lou Williams, yes, absolutely. But right now, it's a little bit of a tougher sell. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably more out on Lou Williams than I am on Carmelo Anthony. Just because, I mean, Lou Williams, at least Carmelo Anthony has some size to him. So he's not a good defender by any means. But he at least can like put a body on someone and, and be big mm-hmm. Lou Williams. I mean, you see what happens in the playoffs. He just gets hunted every time down the floor. And I just on a team with, with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I, you really need to make sure you don't have holes defensively or else 
You're asking LeBron at 36, 37. You're asking him to do way too much defensively. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I think that's really funny, Ron, as far as, yes, I would also take Mello over Lou Williams. And, I mean, also been there, done that. We've seen Lou Will on the Lakers already. Mm-hmm. It happened. And, you know, he, he had his nice little 40-piece. And, yeah, he could play a different role. But, you know, at this point, he's, he's Lemon Pepper Lou. He's not going to be the guy who brings the locker room together with a veteran presence. Uh, I think he was better suited for sort of the more fun 2015-16 to 16 Kobe Farewell team than he would be right now. Now, Kyle Lowry, though, Lowry is really the engine that made the Raptors run. Um, Non-statistically, one of the best players on the floor. I mean, you have Kyle Lowry on the floor, and the guy is just making all the right moves and all the right plays. Mm -hmm. He's good on the defensive end. He can score. He can pass. And it's really not about numbers with him. It's just about what he brings to the team. And that is particularly why he played such a large role in the Raptors winning a championship. I mean, all they did was trade Kawhi for DeRozan, but Lowry was really the foundation of what was in place with the Toronto Raptors. And so I think him in Los Angeles with LeBron James, with Anthony Davis, with all those pieces, with the veteran presence could be absolutely incredible for the Los Angeles Lakers. I think he should be one of the top targets for them. Let me ask you guys this. Let's let's talk. Stepping away from the the names for a minute, what is it that the Lakers need this offseason? Like, just in terms of skill set, what is it that they're looking for in order to? I mean, I hesitate to even use the word fixed because I feel like injuries really were the root of the problem here. But if you're Rob Palenka, what skills are you looking for out there this this offseason? Uh, I mean, look. The, the knee-jerk reaction is to simply say shooting. Yeah. They need more shooting, um, which, of course, is true. In the NBA, uh, Rob mm-hmm. Polinka said this, you, you can never have too much shooting. So every offseason, your priority is, is getting more shooting. But I think it's, it's a little bit more than that. I think they need to be more dynamic in terms of the, the available skill sets they have on the roster. Last year... This this season, you know, three centers on the roster. We've talked about this a lot, Trevor. Yeah. Three centers on the roster was like such a massive mistake. Forgetting injuries, that was a massive mistake to have three centers on the roster outside of Anthony Davis. So w- what I mean when I say more dynamic skill sets is get a bunch of guys who can do different things. Get a couple big wing defenders, a couple shooting shooting specialists, a couple point guards, like a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So that you're not, you know, log jammed at any particular position and you can play more fluid basketball. Wow. I think that's those are really excellent points, Ron, particularly when it comes to uh, the shooting and, you know, needing wing three and D type players. That's absolutely something that the Los Angeles Lakers do need. For me, two of the biggest holes, one of the biggest holes is playmaking. I think Rajon Rondo in particular was very underrated what he brought to the team. And I think that obviously, you know, LeBron James, one of the greatest playmakers of all time, but yeah, he's going to be heading into year 19. Like that's ridiculous. And so we are really going to need some playmaking. I think that's part of the reason I'm so high on someone like a Kyle Lowry. 
And with what you're saying as well, Ron, you know, that that dynamic nature, sort of those more athletic big men who aren't your traditional centers, someone like a Sergi Baca who has a player option. Um, I think those are two of our biggest areas. I mean, I mean, wing three and D shooting, that's obvious. Uh, but I think that, you know, dynamic big men who aren't traditional centers and playmaking are going to be two of the biggest holes that we can really, really plug up. Let me... One of the things I've been thinking about a lot lately, and you mentioned playmaking there, Skylar, um, and this is to everybody in the chat too. Let me know your thoughts on this. If you're the Lakers and you can go, you're going to have to give a lot in order to get Kyle Lowry, right? You're going to have to give up a lot to get him. What if you revert to the way you ran things the year they won the championship? And by that, I mean not a ball handling point guard in the starting lineup. You let LeBron do that. And instead... You focus, if you're going to find a point guard, you want a tier two, tier three point guard to be your ball handler whenever LeBron's off the floor. Whenever LeBron is is on the bench for your second unit. And in your starting five, you focus again on finding a little bit more size, on just pure shooting out there, right? I'm not saying you have to go back and get a Danny Green, but but let me, let me put it to you guys this way. If you were to take this season's Lakers and you magically – Swap out Dennis Schroeder for Buddy Heald, right? In terms of skill, overall value, I'm not talking contracts. They're fairly similar, but very different skill set. Would the Lakers have been better this season with Buddy Heald in the starting lineup in place of Dennis Schroeder and then random bench point guard X, whoever, just a just a competent bench point guard running with the second unit? Uh Before we get into this hypothetical, uh, I'm going to say the name of the ultimate average bench point guard. It's George Hill. Yes. He is he is the quintessential (laughs) average bench point guard. So let's use George Hill for this scenario. (laughs) All right. I like it. Okay. If if it's George Hill, I like that. (laughs) Um honestly, uh yes, I do think the Lakers would be better in that scenario if they had Buddy Healed. I mean, if you go back to to my my thoughts from before this season even started, mm-hmm. Dennis Schroeder should have come off the bench. I thought he was supposed to be that guy that that dominated the non-LeBron minutes and then played in crunch time. Uh, I thought he was not going to start. I didn't like him in the starting lineup. My ideal starting lineup for this team was always LeBron, KCP, Wes, AD, Gasol. That was always my dream starting five in the regular season. And then you sub out Gasol for Caruso in the playoffs and then you really go to work. Um, So I just I never felt like Schroeder in the starting lineup was a fit to begin Mm -hmm. with. Uh, So if you're the Lakers, maybe that's something to consider. Maybe you say, hey, look, Schroeder just wasn't that that good of a fit. And maybe we're better off getting a slightly above Rajon Rondo type player Mm -hmm. to just handle the non LeBron minutes and let LeBron be the full-time point guard and not even worry about it. Maybe. That's, that's really interesting. Again, LeBron heading into year 19. But what if, you know, I know that so many people are thinking Anthony Davis is made of glass now, but come on. The guy just averaged 27.7 points and nearly won finals MVP after those first couple of games. Yes, Anthony Davis was in the discussion and so he will come back, he will score, he will be better without that 71-day offseason, and I believe he can become the Lakers' number one scoring option. 
And if he's able to do that, then yes, LeBron can handle more playmaking duties and we can go this way. So I think that's really interesting, but I don't know. I still like having that Rajon Rondo type of guy and not having to lean on LeBron doing it all because I just remember LeBron James on those Cleveland Cavaliers. We need playmakers. We need playmakers. So I feel like at this point in his career, he could get frustrated if he has to do all the playmaking himself. And that's why I think it's still going to be a big need for the Lakers. But regardless, I mean, they're going to find a way to make it work. The main problem this season was the 71-day offseason. If they ran it back exactly as things are right now with a full season of health, offseason of health and rest, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that they, they couldn't make another run. So uh, we'll have to see what happens here. But hypothetically, I don't know. I, I think it might be time for LeBron to have another playmaker around him at this point. I mean, I, I agree in the sense that I think you don't want to put that full burden on LeBron, but in a way, bringing in Schroeder, and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not a Schroeder fan or anything like that. Like I think he's got a very, very useful skill set, but you kind of limited yourself because Schroeder came in saying, "I am the starter. I want to be the starter. Like this matters to me," and so that limits your flexibility a little bit, right? You can't. How many? How often do we talk about would the Lakers be better off with Schroeder coming off the bench? And just running wild with the, with the bench unit. And here, LeBron's off the floor. Take the ball. Go. It's your show now. Would he be better in that role? Well, we never really got to find out because he wasn't willing to do that. The Lakers, in some ways, painted themselves into a corner this last season with Schroeder acquiescing to his demands to start. And I'm not saying he's not a starting caliber player, but again, limited themselves in terms of mixing and matching there. And then Andre Drummond. Part of the reason why he came on board was because they promised him he would be the starter. They used the starting job as a bargaining tool. And so going into this offseason, do you revert back to what you had before, where you've got a little bit more flexibility? You've got guys who will just buy in. And if LeBron says, hey, I need a little bit more playmaking, you've got a guy who's a tier two or tier three guy who's going to step in and can provide a little bit of playmaking, but he's not going to lose his mind if that isn't the case either. And I think that's what they had with Schroeder. They had Schroeder concerned about his stats and uh, and free agency and all that sort of stuff. And you had the same thing with a number of other guys. It's just something I've been thinking about a bit lately. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see which way Polinka goes with this. Yeah, and, and, you know, Trevor, you make a good point in terms of saying, you know, Schroeder demanded to be a starter and, and, and they promised Andre Drummond a starting job and that kind of, made things fall apart because they were sort of stuck. Frank Vogel had nowhere to go. He had to start these guys. Mm-hmm. I think the alternative, and, and you're saying to get rid of that, you get a tier two or tier three guy who knows his role and you can be a little more flexible. Yes. The alternative with a guy like Kyle Lowry is you get someone that's so good, there's no debate over whether or not he starts. The problem with mm-hmm. Schroeder is he's demanding to start when he's – a borderline starter, top bench player in this league. You mm-hmm. you don't know for sure if he's a starter. Kyle Lowry, starter, boom. You don't have to worry about it. He doesn't need to make demands. You don't need to be flexible because you have a starting caliber point guard. Good point. I think that's so. That's the alternate route you can go. You either, I, I think you're right. You can't get someone who's borderline. It has to be someone who knows he's not a starter or someone who's obviously a starter. That's an excellent point uh, you make there, Trevor, for sure. I think that that was a point of confusion for the Lakers this season was 
what was happening with Dennis and he was on, he was off. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was, there were very high hopes for Dennis, especially Chris Paul saying that Dennis Schroeder is such a dog and what he was able to do on the Oklahoma city thunder, nearly winning six man of the year. And, but that's the thing. He was nearly six man of the year. And that is where the confusion did come in. And once he started talking about the four year, $84 million contract, it just got a little weird. I mean, how else do you even say it? It was just a little bit strange at that point because it seemed like him and the team were going in different directions. So I do agree with what you're saying, Ron, that it would be nicer to have someone who can really know what their role is. Mm-hmm. And again, that's why instead of Schroeder, and again, I'm I'm not saying to get rid of Schroeder or anything like that. I think he brings a lot of skill and has a lot of great potential and things that he can bring to the team in the right role um, when they have more time to figure it out. But if you have like a top tier, you know, more starting point guard, like a Lowry, and then someone who knows, you know, they're a George Hill, let's say, then that could work uh, very nicely compared to having someone like Schroeder where it's like, oh, is he starting or is LeBron the primary playmaker? So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I've got a uh, super chat here from Zachary Briggs said, give LeBron one or two starting players who can create for themselves and Braun can play make for the other two starters, like AD and Zach Levine. <laughs> I, I think it would be great if the Lakers could get Zach Levine. I don't see how they get there unless, unless again, it, crazy things happen in the NBA. But I just want to put out there, because this his name pops up all the time, and I understand why, right? Like Zach Levine on the Lakers would be so much fun running the floor with LeBron. There's one way that he gets to the Lakers, and even then it's not a certainty. He would have to go to the Bulls and say, contract extension, Uh uh-uh, I'm not signing it. I'm a free agent next offseason, and I'm going to sign with the Lakers. And he would have to make that known around the NBA. Anybody who trades for me, I am a rental, and I'm going to become a Laker. It would be the nuclear option. That's what it would take to get Zach Levine to L.A., because I don't think the Lakers have the trade assets to just go get him. And again, crazier things have happened, but just understand what it, what it would take. I don't want to get anybody's hopes up into thinking Zach Levine's coming to L.A. And, and Trevor, when you say going nuclear, we're actually calling it the Anthony Davis option. Yes. Uh, instead of opting in or opting out to a deal, you actually just opt to go to the Lakers, and that makes things really easy. <laughs> Anthony Davis made that, made that, put that blueprint out there for the world. I like that terminology a lot, the Anthony Davis option. Uh, Yes, that was incredible when he just said, all right, I joined Clutch Sports. I'm going to the Lakers. And if you paid attention, that was when it was obvious, was when he joined LeBron James' agency that he was making a move to the Lakers eventually. Uh, The Clutch Sports super team, absolutely love it. But yeah, I think that, you know, uh, Zach Levine on the Lakers would be great. Kobe Bryant actually trained with Zach Levine and was a big fan of him. So there is that connection there. Uh, but yeah, going to be tough to happen. Potentially more realistic option in the same vein, a little bit older and, you know, not able to shoot the three ball like Zach Levine. But uh, DeMar DeRozan, he's going to be a free agent. Yep. And so that could actually be, uh, and, you know, diehard Lakers fan, uh, probably the biggest Kobe Bryant fan in the NBA. Aside from Jason Tatum. And so, 
aside from Jason <laughs> Tatum. But man, DeRozan, I mean, he knows where he was watching the 81 point game. Yeah. He wrote an article on, on Kobe's final game being like the Avengers. Uh, DeRozan was a big Kobe guy. You can see it in the footwork. But yes, Tatum is the only player in the NBA who, who does play even more like Kobe than DeRozan. And so I do think DeRozan could kind of be a more realistic option based on contract situations this year than Zach Levine that could fill some of the same needs for playmaking with LeBron. Yeah, I, I've long said with regard to DeMar DeRozan, Trevor and I have talked about mm-hmm. this a lot. If the Lakers can get him and not trigger their hard cap, which means they could get mm-hmm. him $5.9 million, Ooh. he's willing to <laughs> sign for $5.9 million. DeMar DeRozan, come on down. <laughs> I don't think that's happening Therefore, I don't think DeMar DeRozan's going to be a Laker. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I would love to see it. Uh, James Bell from Five, U- from nine, YouTube. Come here, do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, with a super chat said, "Is there any way to trade for Luca if he demands a trade?" That was that was pretty easy. No, um, you know, I mean, look, even no. if, look, the Mavs are in a position of power. Like, even if he throws a, a tantrum and says, "I want out," they're not trading. He's too valuable. Like, there is. Is there anyone in the NBA that you would trade Luka for straight up? Because I think the answer is no. No, Luka Doncic is the most valuable player in the NBA right now in terms of uh, an actual asset value, mm-hmm. not MVP of the league playing-wise. But he it, he is the most valuable asset in the NBA right now. There, any, any, any team would give up anything to have Luka Doncic. Like, if, like if the Lakers and the Mavericks trade like if if the Mavericks wanted LeBron James the Lakers would trade LeBron James for Luka Doncic like it's that simple yeah. and Luka Doncic is the most valuable asset in the NBA right now yeah. well that's what I'm wondering about and this is completely hypothetical but the only potential way for that what if you had a trade centered around LeBron Mark Cuban is a businessman he knows that if you had LeBron James you would sell <laughs> the Mavericks out of nowhere you would sell the most tickets in the NBA with Porzingis throw in you know a couple young guys too I think that's the only way it could happen but <laughs> no there's like a 0.3% chance of that you know, actually happening but it's fun you know, to think what's actually funny about that is I don't actually think a LeBron James for Luka Doncic swap is legal because Luka's salary isn't oh, yeah. nearly high no, enough. He not. only makes like $9 million. So That's it's like not even feasible, which is crazy. It would be Luka that plus Luka contracts in order to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sean, Luka and Tim Hart. Fair. Because Sean Edwards with a super chat from YouTube said, Schroeder to the bench, Kuzma as the three, and then at your five, you're looking at, he says Drummond, Dwight, or JaVale McGee. So going old school, bringing back Dwight and JaVale at the five. Uh, LeBron's not a great shooter, so use him as the point guard. That's best for spacing and size. But basically, in a nutshell, swapping out Dennis Schroeder for Kyle Kuzma in the, the starting line, which is interesting because probably 90% of the chat so far, if not more, that I've mentioned Kyle Kuzma has been in regards to trading Kyle Kuzma, not not having him on the Lakers anymore. But here's one saying, put him in the starting lineup. I'm very much against that. Uh, I don't know, Skyler, how you feel about it. I'm just, the idea of Kyle Kuzma starting, like, that doesn't really help because he still also can't shoot threes. Like, uh, it's really that simple. LeBron needs, because LeBron is essentially the point guard, he's the one. Anthony Davis is the four. 
and you're going to have a center, at least in the regular season, starting alongside AD. That two and three needs to be shooters. It needs to be. It needs to be KCP plus someone else that, that can shoot the ball. It cannot be a guy who can't shoot. And we saw that with Dennis Schroeder. When he wasn't hitting his shots, the starting lineup was abysmal. I mean, it is interesting. You know, Kuzma has played better in games that he started traditionally. Not so much this season, but yeah, I mean, I'm one of the few people who I do stick up for Kyle Kuzma because so many people are so hard on him, and I understand why for sure. Um, As far as this goes, though, I don't think this is the answer for the Lakers. I think Kuzma could start. But I still think we need a playmaker and shooting. Uh, we all saw Kyle Kuzma's rookie season, outstanding stuff. And again, he said he wasn't very healthy this offseason. Said he's going to work on his handle a ton. Yeah. And I feel like Kuzma is adding more skills to his game. Someone I was talking to once said he could be that Lamar Odom type of player for the Lakers. And yes, that is a little bit of a stretch. But Kuzma has shown in some games, particularly early this season, that he can be a bit of that specialty do-it-all player. He can make some really athletic plays. And not only that, again, got to go with the word of the black mom, but Kobe Bryant always believed in Kyle Kuzma. Took him for dinner, gave him advice, told him that he had the work ethic to make it. And that's honestly the main reason that I haven't given up on Kuzma. So I do think Kuzma could start... But I don't think that's the answer. I think that you're still going to need to find another playmaker for the Lakers. LeBron traditionally enjoys playmakers. So in that case, if the roster is as stands, I would tinker with Kuzma starting. He got 32 starts this year. But I wouldn't necessarily take Dennis out permanently just to put Kuzma in. I think staying with the topic of Kyle Kuzma, Tyler O from YouTube with the Super Chat said, trade Kuzma for Terrence Ross from Orlando for a little more offense since the salaries are kind of close. I'm, I don't recall Terrence Ross's salary off the top of my head. Uh, then signed Mo Harkless. What's that? Why would you know Terrence Ross's <laughs> Exactly. Salary? Some of them... Is Terrence Ross's <laughs> Some of them like? I strangely remember. Like, it'll just pop in my head, but Terrence Ross is, is not one of them. But then and he says then, and this is the key here, then signed Mo Harkless in free agency to replace Kuzma's wing position. I think Tyler kind of hit the nail on the head here where whether it's Terrence Ross or whoever it is, In any deal where we talk about moving Kyle Kuzma, I think there's going to be a lot of those. We've talked about this a bunch. Kyle Kuzma is now more tradable, I think, this offseason because his salary jumps up to $13 million. makes it a little bit easier to actually get value back than when he was only making $3.5 million. Um, In any deal, though, you're losing pretty much one of your only, if not your only, true wing guys, right? That 6'8 to 6'10 guy that can shoot from the outside, defend some of the bigger wing scores in the NBA. And I'm not saying he's great at it, but he's got that skill set. So if you lose him, you also have to have a plan of, okay, I'm going to go find some of these guys out there on the market and you have to know who those guys are. So I think Tyler made a good point here and not just saying, hey, I want to trade Kuzma for Terrence Ross. I'm going to trade Kuzma for Terrence Ross, but then I've got this plan to replace Kuzma's skill set so we're not just out of luck when it comes to defending big wings. Uh, And you know, Trevor, I've said this man's name a ton of times. You you know where I'm going with this. If you're (laughs) going to find your backup option to replace Kyle Kuzma, it's Doug McDermott from the Indiana (laughs) Pacers. Uh, He's not not a great defender. In fact, he might even be classified a horrible defender. Mm -hmm. But man, can he shoot, and he's a bigger wing – 
So he can, like like we talked about Carmelo Anthony, he can just put a body on someone. Um, he, I think if you are going to trade Kuz, a guy like that, it doesn't have to be him specifically, but a guy like that becomes even more vital to potentially picking him up if you're going to trade Kuz because you lose that wing defense. Yeah, I don't know. For me personally, again, you know, Kuzma is the longest tenured Laker at this point. And like you said, Trevor, he has the skill set. And like Kobe Bryant Mm -hmm. said, he's got the work ethic. And we've actually seen it come together for Kuzma, just not on a consistent basis. But the guy is only 25 years old. So I do think that Kuzma can still pull it together. So the, the only way I'd really give up Kuzma is part of a trade for a player like a Kyle Lowry. Uh, I know we might be getting into this, but we saw some of that Russell Westbrook trade machine talk going on. But, you know, trading for a really big player, that's the only reason I'd really give up Kuzma. And I'd make sure I'm getting at least a filler wing player as part of that trade back for Kuzma. But overall, I think the guy still has a lot of potential, a lot of room to grow. And I don't want, I wouldn't let go of him so easily if I'm the Lakers. Well, let's, that's actually where I was going to go next with the Russell Westbrook thing, because I had Dre from YouTube with the super chat said, what do you think, what are your thoughts on trading for Russell Westbrook potentially now that Scott Brooks is out in, uh, in Washington. Um, so that went out, went around a couple of weeks ago. There was, I want to say there was an article out there. Somebody, there's a lot of these coming out right now, right? These articles where people are saying, hey, hypothetically, what would be a great trade for the Lakers? And and again, it's hypothetical. And then people are running with it as though it's like an actual trade rumor. And it's not. It's just kind of saying, hey, would this maybe this would be something that would work. So the, the Westbrook thing, he's making over $40 million. The only way in terms of logistically, like cap math, it works is if Montrez Harrell wa- opts in and then the Wizards want a combo of Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Montrez Harrell. And I think you still have to add in another small contract there in order to get it done. Cause he, again, he's making like 40, 40 ish million. So I think there's, there's a lot there. You've got to get to a bunch of big ifs there. I mean, Montrez Harrell opting in, I'd say is pretty unlikely, but that's, that's what has to happen in order to get to a Westbrook trade. So I don't want to approach this as though it's going to happen, but if somehow, some way, it was possible, Ron, would you would you do that? Would you make that kind of a move to bring in a guy like like Westbrook? I was actually about to say this might be a very unpopular opinion, but if the cost was Montrez, Harold, Kyle Kuzma, and KCP, I don't think I'd do it. I don't think I'd do it at all. Mm-hmm. I, I Russell Westbrook, look, he's a great player. I love Russell Westbrook. I'm not saying anything bad about Russell Westbrook. But Russell Westbrook solves absolutely none of the issues with the Lakers team. Like, none. He is a, he is a uh, take the ball dominant, drive the ball, put pressure on opposing defenses, and kick to shooters. Well, the Lakers kind of have the best one of that. So you don't need another guy that does basically exactly the same things. Mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook is an inefficient shooter. He's a He's a plus defender, so I'm not turning him down there, but he just doesn't solve any of the needs. So if you're going to give up your only wing defender, your best three-point shooter, for a guy that doesn't solve either of those issues, it just doesn't make sense to me. No. It, it makes sense if it was maybe a video game, right? But in terms of actually building out an NBA roster, it doesn't make sense. Now, if, if Russell Westbrook said, hey, you know what, I'm nearing the end of my career – 
I want to chop my minutes down to like 20 a night, bring me off the bench. Okay. If you want him to run the bench unit, okay. But that's not where he's at. That's that's not what's going to happen here. So He's a starter. Yeah. And, and so it's just, it's not a great fit. Maybe you can argue value-wise it would be fine. Uh, would it change it at all in your opinion, Ron, if let's say you remove one of those guys, whether it's KCP or Kuzma, and you replace that with a signed and traded Dennis Schroeder. Does that change the equation at all? Now I'm interested. Okay. So if you can do some combination of if Trez, this is all hypothetical, so yeah. many hypotheticals. <laughs> yes. If Dennis opts in, if Dennis opts in and you, and you trade Trez, Trez opts in, you trade him, Dennis agrees to a sign and trade to Washington, which I don't know why he would, but let's say he does that. And then one of KCP and Kuzma, and I'm not really sure which one I would prefer. I'd probably say Kuzma in that Mm -hmm. scenario, but then I'm more interested because then even though the fit isn't great, you still keep one of those skill sets that you just, you desperately need to win in today's NBA, which is wing defense and three point shooting. You trade away both of those guys. It just doesn't make sense anymore. Okay. Skyler, you agree? You know what? I love me some Russell Westbrook. I always have. Again, it's a Lakers show, so I can, I'll bring up Kobe Bryant as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kobe said that Westbrook was the player who reminded him most of himself when he retired in the NBA. The season Westbrook went on to win the triple-double MVP, first time he averaged a triple-double. Michael Jordan said the same thing about Russell Westbrook. And I think Russell Westbrook with LeBron James, where they can actually alleviate some of each other's playmaking duties to form a big three with Anthony Davis. Sign me up. Sign me up. I, I don't I don't care that it doesn't necessarily make basketball sense. <laughs> it is just one of those things where having a big three of that nature would be so exciting and fun to watch. It's the kind of thing where Russell Westbrook, who is such a California kid, would be so motivated to play for the Los Angeles Lakers. And he has that killer mentality. And he was such a big Kobe guy that I could just see them finding a way to make it work together. I mean, Russell Westbrook, come on. He got a triple-double playing with guys like Hamadou Diallo in like his rookie season. Uh, Westbrook and LeBron can definitely make other players better. And when you have proven championship winners, especially LeBron James, to go along with with, uh, Anthony Davis, who has won a championship, go out and get, you know, a couple of championship veterans again. I think that was something we were missing this year, was not having Dwight Howard, who played in the finals, not having Rajon Rondo, who'd won a championship. Mm-hmm. Go out and get more championship veterans. I mean, we did get Marc Gasol. Uh, and then I think that somehow, when you have three guys that good, you're going to find a way to make it work. And I think, you know, we don't want to speak too soon with the Brooklyn Nets, but especially if Kyrie Irving didn't get injured, that's one of the perfect examples of that. Yeah, but all three of those guys can shoot. When you talk about high, like Harden, Kyrie, and and KD, that, all three of them can space the floor and shoot. That that's become so important in the NBA. And again, again, maybe maybe you hit a point where just the talent level is so high that you can just get around it, and it doesn't matter. But in terms of the modern NBA, it would definitely be a bit of an awkward fit. Not to mention whether or not Washington would actually do this, which yes. is uh, I, I think a different a different discussion. 
Definitely. It's more just fun to think of them playing together than mm-hmm. it making any kind of sense. But Westbrook, LeBron, and Anthony Davis on the Lakers, it, it'd just be so fun to watch. It definitely would. It definitely would. I mean, it would either be fun to watch or it would be like horrifying to watch because it would be a train wreck. <laughs> either way, we would we would watch it, though. And people around the NBA Absolutely. would watch it for sure. Um, Dre Johnson from YouTube, uh, with the super chat said, what about bringing in PJ Tucker? I mean, the age, the age is the only thing, right? Like that's the skill set that you're looking for. A guy who can knock in the three, a guy who can defend a guy who's got a little bit of feistiness to him, but the age, and you got to wonder how much he, he really has left. Now, again, he's, he's still guarding some of the better players in the, I mean, look, when the Nets are, have, uh, when P.J. Tucker's defending Kevin Durant, the Nets run actions to get P.J. Tucker off of Kevin Durant. And I would think if P.J. Tucker was totally washed, they wouldn't be doing that. So, I don't know. Ron, how, how do you feel about P.J. Tucker? Uh, you know, I, I generally like I like P.J. Tucker as a player. I think he'd be a good fit. Um, he'd be a good fit with the Lakers, a good fit alongside A.D. specifically on defense. I Yeah, it's... It's one of those things where if I'm the Lakers, because of how this season went with all of the injuries, just stockpiling injured injured players, I wonder if they are wary about bringing in guys in their mid to late yeah. 30s. You already have LeBron. You are exploring deals for Kyle Lowry here. I, I wonder how wary they are about stockpiling all of the 36-year-olds in the NBA. Because at a certain point, if injuries are a concern... That's going to start to that's going to start to matter. Even if PJ Tucker is a very durable player, which he is, uh, I, I still think at a certain point that matters. And so I think if the Lakers are pursuing Kyle Lowry, they're going to steer clear of more thirty-five plus players. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think that. P.J. Tucker could be a great fit with the Lakers, not just in terms of play style, but in terms of bringing that defensive tenacity mindset to the team. I think that would actually be the biggest asset that P.J. Tucker would contribute is just the mindset and just who he is as a player, the way he defends. And again, you know, with what you're saying, Ron, like, no, you don't want to stockpile all the 36-year-olds. But if you can get some other good pieces and get P.J. Tucker in and, you know, P.J. Tucker wants to come on, try to win a championship, uh, I think he could actually be a really, really interesting 3-and-D fit for the Lakers Uh, But again, I think that comes more in the form of presence at this point than it does in terms of actual play style, Uh, sort of like what Rajon Rondo was. But then what happens with guys like P.J. Tucker is you want those 36-year-olds in the playoffs because that's where they're the more experienced ones. So I think if we could get P.J. Tucker, uh, that would actually be an excellent fit for the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, I think... I think we kind of saw the Lakers' ideal blueprint last offseason where they land guys that are roughly in Anthony Davis's timeline, and that's why you saw you know, yeah. Dennis Schroeder be the target, Montrezl Harrell be the target. But and this free agent class doesn't have a whole lot of that. So if you're going to go and make a move and you're going to add somebody, you might have to just say, okay, we're going to take a chance here on an older player. But if you're going to do that, their skill set has got to fit perfectly, like like a Lowry or like a P.J. Tucker if you're going to go that route. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of CJ McCollum comments as well. Another guy that would be a very nice fit. But, again, I don't know how you get there value-wise in order to make that trade work. But uh, but 
I appreciate everybody joining us, throwing out all your questions and comments. Again, we're doing this every Monday and every Thursday night, 9 o'clock Pacific time. We're talking Lakers basketball all through the offseason. And, of course, as we get closer to the draft, as we get closer to free agency, trades start popping up, we might do some more shows during the week as well. But for right now, we're going at least Mondays and Thursdays. And make sure you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, putting out new Lakers content there every single day. Turn on those notifications so you get notified. Guys, thanks so much for uh, for joining me tonight. This was fun. Yep, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Today is the 11-year anniversary of the Los Angeles Lakers 2010 title win against the Boston Celtics. Great day. And I remember watching that when I was 17. And so to get to be on Lakers Nation doing this broadcast with all the fans watching and uh, communicating my passion for the Lakers with Ron and Trevor here has been a really amazing experience. And I'm very grateful for everyone who tuned in. That is a great anniversary and uh, certainly one of my very favorite Lakers memories. That's a good spot to, uh, to end things on. All right, everybody. Stay safe and see you.